and then, then when he decides he wants to play, my God, he's elite. My God. But that said, he also will sleep through like 90% of the day. So. Well, as long as he's not, um, oh, which one do I want to pick here? Uh, as long as he doesn't have the fragility of Nabi Kato, we're good. No, no, no. Him's a tough little buddy. Mm, that's good to hear. He's, he's, uh, he's robust in the tassel. <laughs> I like to imagine that Nabi Kato decided to start listening to the Foreign Fair podcast this episode and was like, man, what? Why? Nabi, I have done nothing but like stick up for you since day one. That is not okay. Oh, um, no, 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 no. I've always stuck up for Nebuchadnezzar. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And um, and then about two years into whatever this nightmare turned into, <laughs> I was like, hold the hell up. I was like, wait a minute. It's like, I need this dude to play. <laughs> Even Wes Bradshaw has his limits. <laughs> Even I have my limits. I'm like, wait a minute, dude. I will stick up for you all day. And, 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 then, and then much like this season for Liverpool, like... Every time he comes back and gets like about a four game stretch, I'm like, oh, it's the Nappy we've all been waiting for, lads. This is the Nappy. And then, <laughs> and then inevitably, I've never seen a dude who gets hurt more on international duty than Nappy Kata. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I God, I've like never even heard of the country he plays for and he keeps getting hurt all the time. So I, get, I did actually read a story. Welcome to the Foreign Affair Podcast, everyone, episode 460. Um, totally. I did read a story from The Athletic, which we're not going to talk. I didn't put in anything, but I did read it um, about uh, Arthur. Is that how you pronounce his name? Oh, God. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. This is like this is like the old Gil from The Simpsons of the Premier League. Like, oh, I can't I can't imagine a sadder story. Jesus. Jesus. I started to read the story, but much like Arthur's uh, career at Liverpool, it just fizzled out very quickly and I didn't finish it. Yeah. Sorry, Simon Pierce. <laughs> yeah, I like you, Simon. You're you're a dude, but it's like, Jesus. It's like, man, why are you just like trying to depress me as we go here? <laughs> Holy. Depression will be the name of the game this week. Maybe. I don't know. Um, we're in episode 460 of the Foreign Affair Podcast. I'm Edward Green. Joined as always by McCollin Crime West Bradshaw. We are going to, uh, because there were so many matches this past uh, week, plus Ooh. midweek, uh, I am going to fly through them. We're going to talk about uh, the highlights and lowlights, of course. Uh, then we'll hit the news and notes. Do uh, Pimp the Athletic. Do the Watch for and call it a pod. Um, so again, I am going to run through these super fast because there are so many matches um mm. this starts back on april 21st 1st if i can get that out uh arsenal southampton drew 3-3 arsenal needing two goals in the final five minutes of the match to even get the draw against southampton uh which may have uh potentially ended the title race right then and there uh but that was arsenal's third draw in a row up to that point uh full and beat leads to one and what could have been a very big win for uh for leads not able to capitalize there uh suddenly top half of the table battle between brentford and aston villa ends 1-1 after even tony's goal is uh answered by uh douglas louise with a few minutes left in the match uh palace and everton drew nil nil because of course they did uh lester a genuinely big win uh over wolves 2-1 wolves look like they're in about safety but lester desperately needs every three points they can get uh liverpool uh comeback victory 
over uh, Nottingham Forest after uh, giving Ooh. up. Uh, actually, sorry, not a comeback victory. Uh, they were actually leading or equal the whole way until Mo Salah's 70th minute goal gave Liverpool the win in that one for good. Uh, West Ham, suddenly surging West Ham beats Bournemouth 4 0. Uh, Newcastle, 6 uh, 1 over Tottenham. I, I, you know, got their second manager fired of the season. Um, I have thoughts on this. I'm sure we'll talk about this, but you know, it's, it is what it is. I will, I will simply lead with this. Not the most embarrassing loss for Spurs at Newcastle in the last 10 years. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Make of that what you will. Uh, Wolves 2-0 over Crystal Palace. Uh, again, both these teams are probably now safe. So uh, Wolves pretty much guaranteed to stay up now. Uh, Aston Villa continues their big streak, though. 1-0 winners over Fulham. Uh, and they are making a legitimate shot to get into European football next year. Uh, Leeds and Leicester drew 1-1. Uh, this was a match where both teams probably needed all three points, but at least they do stay in contention to stay up next year by splitting the points there. Nottingham Forest, big, big win for them, scoring three unanswered goals uh, with two of them coming in the second half to beat Brighton and Hove 3-1. This was a very important match, especially after the early missed penalty from Brendan Johnson to come back and win 3-1. Very, very big result for them. Uh, Chelsea... I mean, if you want to talk about an actual London team in shambles, this might be the actual true, true answer that just because Tottenham have fired another manager, they've flown under the radar with this. But they're really bad as they lose 2-0 at home to Brentford um, uh, earlier today. Liverpool with a nice win over West Ham to one uh, matchups header in the 67th minute. The difference there uh, to get them the victory. And then in the match... We've, we're all waiting for and was over within like the first 10 minutes. City four, Arsenal one, three nothing for the vast majority of the match. Uh, City thoroughly dominant. Um, and I, I'm, I'm imagine because that's probably where we'll lead off with. Um, you know, I, I saw Wes Michael Cox put on Twitter. Uh, he couldn't remember a more dominant first half from a team in a match with this biggest stakes. Uh, a lot of people were quick to point out the uh, the Argentina France World Cup final from this past year um, was another example. But barring that, I I would have to agree. This is one of the few times where you just watched again. These are two teams at the top of the Premier League table fighting it out with Arsenal leading for the vast majority of the season, and Manchester City just came out in the first forty five and said, "Nah, no, we're just better." We're much better than you, and we're going to win the Premier League title. And they asserted dominance literally from the jump. Uh, De Bruyne reminding everyone that he should probably have played every City match this year with a brace. Alon adding to his uh, his um, Premier League leading goal numbers. Just a very dominant match for City as they move one step closer to picking up yet another title, even though they're still two points back currently of Arsenal. Um, but that was the week that was. Um, and Wes, I, again, I don't know if you want to start here, but that was, again, the match of the week, and definitely one team showed up. Yeah. Uh, I called it, what did I call this, about six weeks ago, maybe? Mm -hmm. Maybe eight weeks ago. Um, <laughs> uh, Arsenal did something. City won, and I called it over. I called it, I said, oh, City's winning. I think some of that was an early just overreaction because, you know, I was just pissed and mm -hmm. things weren't going right. Yeah. 
but man, it turns out I was so freaking on point. It wasn't funny because man, Pep City are a freaking machine. They are. They're the Terminator. They're they're just a machine. Um, they're T eight hundred and T one thousand combined. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, Liverpool were John Connor for like one season, and that was it. That was all they could handle. Um, at the end of the day, Arsenal just they they, they didn't have enough depth to take this thing to the wire. Um, Saliba going out basically was a death toll for their defense, which right now just looks absolutely hideous. And I mean, I mean, you know, nothing against the dude, but you know, when you're having to play Rob Holding, mm-hmm. who actually that's just not, today, but still not good. Yeah, who cares? It's like it's like, but what did he do? What did he do at the end where they really needed him? Oh yeah, he yeah. got abused again. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean Arsenal Arsenal have given it a hell of a run this season. Uh but at the end of the day, man, City are too deep, too experienced, and just too good. Now, just I do want to ask you, because I, I thought about this and I had a very long conversation <clears throat> with myself uh earlier today when I was always doing some cleanup around the house. Um uh-huh. did Arsenal bottle the title? Would you would you consider this a bottle job? I'm going to give Arsenal a pass on this and not call it a bottle job. Okay. Um, mostly because of what I just I did say at the beginning was they had some really key injuries at, at spots where they couldn't afford injuries. Mm-hmm. And if Arsenal were out there with the best team, with that team that we've seen all season, if that team was on the field getting swept aside and giving up three goals and giving up leads late, then I think we could talk about it being bottling. But when you've lost really key guys and, and let's be honest, you get walked down by Pep City. Mm Mm-hmm. Who, oh, God forgive me for saying this, are probably the best team in Europe. Yeah, sorry, Napoli. Uh, y'all, not now. You want to talk about a team who bottled it? There you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't really put that all on Arsenal's head. I think, um, I think when you were uh, maybe a year ahead of schedule with what you had, anyway. I think Arsenal have just had an exemplary season. They've given it a hell of a run. Uh, I, I just think at the end of the at the end of the day, the Terminator caught up to them, and they they just they weren't able to outlast the Terminator. Um, so so no, nah, I wouldn't give them a bottle on it. So the only thing I'll push back on this was like one of my big sure. things is is the um, the ahead of schedule thing, and uh-huh. the. Only reason I hate it, and this is not because of you, but this is because of a lot of other people out there. And this is what made the discuss really prompted the discussion I had with myself after this result was we heard a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot in the 2016-17 season about Spurs bottling the Premier League to Chelsea, which in my head 
was insane. Um, because that Chelsea team was a really good, a lot like this city team is very good. And two, Burrs never actually led the Premier League at any point that season. They were always like trying to catch up and trying to make a run of it. Um, but I do remember, and one of the things was that you know the idea was maybe they're a little bit ahead of schedule and mm -hmm. i don't know if i like that argument though because even like going back to that spurs one i was like because the spurs one was kind of similar the year before they had lost uh the title to lester um mm -hmm. and you thought okay this will be the jump it, it kind of felt like this was supposed to be the jump year though for arsenal in, in my mind like the, last year if we go back this Arsenal team should have probably been in the champions like this year. They should have finished top four last year. And they, that, that that's arguably a bit of bigger bottle job from them was, mm -hmm. was losing the champions league spot last year. But to uh, me, this feels then like the natural, what a natural progression should be. If Arsenal was to get better, this was the spot you should be going from what should have been a champions league spot to contending for the title i will give you that maybe the lead they had was a little bit ahead of schedule but i do think that if arsenal are a team that is making progress this is where they should be about they should be up there challenging for that title um you could argue that this is where spurs should be if they had kept up from last year's momentum with, uh, with a uh, full season uh, under antonio conte this should have been where they are they're clearly not but if you if you in my mind if you think about what the natural progression of arsenal should have been this is what it should have been they should and i'm not saying they should have beaten city to the title but this is about where they should have ended up if there was going to be a progression this year see i think i picked Spur. i think the arsenal i think to finish fourth this year um and part of i mean once again, one of the reasons I say, you know, Arsenal are ahead of where they should be is, and part of that is because, you know, Liverpool have had such an abject season. I mean, everybody and their brother figured, oh, all right, it's going to be City-Liverpool again. Well, the fact that they've uh, usurped Liverpool in the order and they've, they've made their way up there. Um, you know, I think a lot of people thought, you know, Manchester United were going to take that next step this season, which they really haven't. Um, I just, I'm, I feel with, you know, with, with Arsenal having the youngest, still the youngest squad in the league. Um, and, and I understand where you, you definitely get those 2016 Spurs vibes with this. I get that totally. Um, but I just believe that uh, Arsenal is still, you know, youngest squad in the league. Um, and, and the expectation that there were going to be other teams there above them. Mm -hmm. I still, uh, that, that's more where I get the, I think okay. Arsenal are a little ahead of schedule. Um, that's fair. Now that they weren't a good team that would take a step up, because, I mean, let's be real, they've definitely taken a step up. Mm -hmm. um, but, man, at the same time, once again, you are facing the Terminator. Mm -hmm. You've got to figure out a way to beat the Terminator and do it over 38 matches. And I mean, let's be honest, there's been one team in the last yeah. six years that figured that out. Mm -hmm. And and uh, a couple of other teams that got real damn close, but they, they, 
I mean, Liverpool's the only squad that has come even close to figuring City out in the last five, six years. Absolutely. And the fact that Arsenal Arsenal are basically going to be the other squad who at least got close on them. Mm-hmm. I just, that's why I can't call it a bottle just because, I mean, I don't care how good you thought Arsenal was going to be this year. Mm-hmm. There ain't no way anybody thought that we'd be about to go into May and they'd even still be in the conversation to be right there with City sure. to uh, to win this Premier League title. Okay. So I think expectations change during the season, and that's fair. Um, but I think, too, when you just look at it and you, you see why these matches have gone the way they have, mm-hmm. um, and not so much the City match, because City's just City. Yeah. Um, but especially that Southampton match, mm-hmm. um, you can ju- you can just see that this is a team that was not built to take it all the way to the end because mm-hmm. they didn't have to take it all the way to the end. So that's right. I can't call the model job at the end of the day. Okay. Yeah, and that's and that's totally fair. I. I just I, I was seeing parallels and I'm like get that get that <sighs> like to show this to people back in 2017 who are like Spurs bottomed up like <laughs> we really didn't really didn't. not that time yeah. uh, not, not that one um, well you know I know um what else uh what else caught your eye over the past um week and a half um. Well, of course, on on my end, um, as as I said a couple of weeks ago, Liverpool have obviously turned the corner now and mm-hmm. figured everything out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm going with. Um, well, Liverpool, though, in their defense, they have won three straight. Um, they've done it against obviously the cream of the crop in the league and Leeds, Nottingham Forest, and West Ham. Mm-hmm. But either way, uh, much rather win them than not win them. So, um, you know, Liverpool looking good. A lot's been made of this uh, Trent's a midfielder now. Yeah, we'll kind of see. I, You know, I'm, I'm obviously optimistic as a fan that, man, you know, maybe we've really found something here. And, and Trent's played very well in that midfield role. Uh, my question is, I want to see how he does it. You, you know, one match, well, yeah, I was kind of thinking, let's see how he does against Spurs in that. But man, oh God, I don't know what Spurs are right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, two weeks ago, weeks ago, when we were we were looking at both teams' schedules and we saw where this was, we we're like, we have oh, no idea what either team is going to look like at that point. Yeah, you know, and and even a couple of weeks ago, I would have said, oh man, big test because Spurs are definitely a contender. Uh, I, th- I think Spurs are dead and done at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I don't trust. I don't trust Ryan Mason. Nothing against Ryan Mason. Uh, I mean, he might be a fine you know, manager one day, but I don't trust him to come in and write this shit because I just think, I think the 2022-23 Spurs ship has just taken on way too much water to be saved mm-hmm. at this point. Um. Yeah, they they hit they hit an iceberg in the North Atlantic, and mm. ain't nothing saving this ship at this point. Um, but but as far as talking about Trent, 
I want to see how Trent does against um, more quality, uh, more more quality opponents than what he's done against so far. Once again, hey, you can only you can only play against the guys in front of you. Sure. Um, and he's looked fantastic in that in that midfield role. Um, but I think I think as Liverpool fans, we've we've got to be a little cautious when uh, when when jumping to conclusions here. Just because, you know, is this a, hey, this is a spot where, you know, when we're playing teams that we're just going to dominate possession and, you know, we're clearly more talented than, you know, is this a role for Trent or is this more a, this is what we're going to do now? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if it's mostly playing the lower in the table squads where we're going to dominate possession and they're going to sit back, okay. I mean, if if that's a role he can play in those matches, awesome, fantastic. You know that that might be the guy who unlocks unlocks the park buses, Ed. <laughs> that might be the guy who does it. But um, we'll see going forward. Maybe Spurs will provide a little more of a of a, a test. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, once again, op- optimistic of Liverpool going forward. Um, looks like maybe no Jude Bellingham coming this summer, but you know they're gonna they're gonna go out. They've got to make moves. They've got to re reconfigure that uh, midfield. So um, I am just ready to see what the offseason brings there. Uh, getting back to Spurs and oh, oh I'm sorry, go ahead. That's I was just gonna say real quick. Uh, something I've noticed we're not doing a full look at the table just yet, but sure. I see Liverpool right now six points behind. Uh, both Newcastle and, and Manchester United, who are in third and fourth. Uh, both mm-hmm. of them have 59 points. Liverpool have 53. Uh, Newcastle has one match in hand. United has mm-hmm. two. Um, yeah. As good as Liverpool is starting to look, unless this is you know another false dawn, which it very well could be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the odds of them actually getting into a Champions League spot, I'd say, are very low. So very, my question yeah. becomes, how are you feeling about, do you, do you want to see this go keep going and then end up in like fifth or even sixth and, and be playing in a not as great European competition or just how, how are you sort of feeling about that? Um, I'll say a little tongue in cheek, you know, obviously we need to go to Europa because, you know, Klopp ain't won Europa. There you go. So you know, if if Klopp wants to win all the trophies, Ed, he needs to win <laughs> all the trophies, Ed. So uh, no, I'm not. Um, I'm not as down on Europa, I think, as a lot of people are. I think one reason is, um, I think for for Liverpool in particular, it is good to have European football. Anfield is a special place on European nights. Um, I mean, would we rather be in the Champions League? God, yes, we'd rather be in the Champions League. But here's here's another thing when I look at it is um, man, the, the way the Premier League is going right now, you almost need to take any opportunity you can to find your way into the mm-hmm. Champions League. Okay. Um, 
Do I think Liverpool? Uh, so my belief is Liverpool are going to go out, make some moves this summer, and reestablish themselves as a top four team next year, and potentially challenge Manchester City for the title. That's my hope. That's my thought. We'll see come August how it looks. Am, am I in a fetal position or am I shouting from the rooftops because, man, we look loaded for bear. But either way, God, when you look at the Premier League now, City obviously is up there. Well, now fucking Arsenal is a threat. Manchester United are always a threat. God dang, now Newcastle's a threat. Mm-hmm. Um, do you... Do, how long do we believe Chelsea are going to be where they are? Um, you know, Tottenham, Tottenham could get the right guy in, make a few moves, and next thing you know, they're back to being a threat. The Premier League is getting so damn tough all of a sudden mm-hmm. that yep. you can't just uh, really, unless you're Manchester City right now. I don't think anybody's just rolling out their ball and saying, "Yeah, top four, no problem." Mm-hmm. Um. So if you end up in the Europa League and you've got the squad to be able to go and play it, which arguably Liverpool should have the squad depth to play the Europa League. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they've, you know, they feel they've got the squad depth to make a Champions League run. Why can't you make a Europa League run? Um, a, I know it's not nearly the money of the Champions League, but, you know, you make a little money, put it in the club's coffers. Um, you give the fans European nights, which they crave. Uh, you get a chance to go win a trophy that, uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm sure Liverpool made that run. You know, in a year from now, you'll be hearing me screaming, payback, payback. Yeah, I'll have my little narrative going, whatever it is. Um, but finally and foremost, it is a way into the Champions League. Yeah. And Lord willing, Liverpool won't need it next year, but... Once again, man, the way the outlook of the league is getting now may just need that way in. So I will I will take a shot at Europe anytime. I will also say one last point, and then you can you can hop over to Spurs. Um, sure. The Europa League, since we've done this podcast, has gotten better for at least one reason, and that is because of the Europa Conference League. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like that stratification of the teams has made the Europa League like a bit of a better competition. Um, it's it's not obviously as good as the Champions League, but I also don't think it's quite as bad as the Conference League. So it's like a more in-between spot. Still sucks that they play all their matches on Thursday, but yeah. I, I do think the overall level of competition is better than it was right. in the past because of, of that division. Right, because they've taken out a little bit of the... Uh, I hate to say like the dregs of Europe, but yeah, know, a lot of those it is European countries you don't want to go to on a Thursday. Yeah, you, know, you don't really want to have to go to Uzbekistan yeah. <laughs> and then turn around and play Arsenal on a Sunday. But um, yeah, you know, I just uh, I, I just I think nowadays in the Premier League where everybody's got money, I mean, Jesus, folks, Brighton and Fulham are fighting for you know European mm-hmm. spots. If there is an avenue to get yourself back into the Champions League, even if it's even if it's definitely not an easy avenue, I I just think Liverpool would fancy themselves like, hey, you know what? We can go win this, and we find ourselves in a top four battle come April, 
if we find ourselves in a spot where, man, maybe we need to put all our eggs in this basket, at least be in the position to do it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, so uh, I'll tell you, bring bring on my Thursday Sundays. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and, and just just talking about Spurs. Um, I mean, uh, I don't want to be the latest pundit to uh, to pile on to Tottenham Hotspur, but you know, I almost feel I have to a little bit. Man, it has been an absolute roller coaster ride this year for Spurs in general. Yep. And man, the last few weeks are that point where, you know, you kind of got to the top and you teetered for just a second and, and you can see the whole park and you're like, I can, I can see our way into Europe. Oh my God. Top four. And whoosh. Mm. Spurs are on a serious downward decline at this moment. Um, they have let the second manager go, which honestly, what was his name? Stellatori, Stellini. I'm sorry. Ah, it still kind of baffles me that they put Stellini in charge to start with. Mm-hmm. I mean, Conte. It was it was untenable with Conte. Well, then let's keep his best friend slash assistant. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with y'all? Stellini was nice. Obviously, that that's clearly what happened. God almighty, I mean, that just made no freaking sense at all. Like, it's like if you and your wife are getting a divorce and your wife moves out, but her sister stays in the house. It's like, wait, why? I don't care if she was there when the other one was there. She's got to go too, you know? Um, I, I'm not sold on Ryan Mason. I mean, we've seen him manage. He ain't, he ain't nothing special, but I would have just, if you had to make a move, just go with him and let him at least be a steady and influence. Right. Uh, in, instead, I think you wasted about a month with Stellini, and I think it's done irre- irrevo- irrevocable. There's my word. Mm-hmm. Uh, damage to Spurs' chances going forward. Um, yeah, I, I think I think there's a lot of soul soul searching to do in a still unnamed Tottenham Hotspur Stadium's dressing room, and a lot of those guys who have been pointing fingers, they need to look in the mirror and point that finger because that's where a lot of it has come from this year. And I'm not talking about your Harry Kane's of the world. I'm not talking about the guys who go out there and kill themselves every single match for the uh, you know, for the badge. Mm-hmm. There, I think there's some rot at Tottenham right now. I think they, I think this summer is absolutely crucial for them. And boy, I hate to say too, I don't trust Daniel Levy to do what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, what, where is his, where is his uh, past of of doing what he needs to do? I. It's going to be a it's a really big managerial appointment coming up. Um, I think they need to figure that out sooner than later, oh, yeah. and have their plan ready for when the off season kicks in. They need to they need to hit the ground running. Um, because you know we just talked about with Liverpool, it ain't getting no easier to get in that top four. Mm-hmm. And Tottenham are looking up at every team that I just mentioned. 
Uh, and now, even right now, they're looking up at Liverpool. Somehow, as terrible as Liverpool season has gone, they're, they're level on points with Spurs, and they've got a, the leading goal differential. And Spurs have done such a good job of making themselves relevant again in the last decade. And sadly, they could be teetering on falling out of that upper echelon of teams if they can't not get themselves straight here. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. The, I think the most frustrating part for me is, and and again, I'm I'm just a dude here in America. I I don't know what's going on in the boardroom. I don't know what you know i don't have scouting reports on coaches i don't know what their list even really looks like even though we've heard a bunch of reports i don't know what the fix is for tottenham i i don't know because it was like oh you just you know you just need a couple of world-class you know defenders and you know you need to move on from hugo and and you know do this and then you need to bring in a progressive you know attacking manager and you do this and this and i'm just like one, you're not going to be able to do all that in one window. You just you can't. And two, does this actually fix anything? And who who do you want to go after? Do you want to go after Nagelsmann? Do you want to go after Luis Enrique, who I think is a very good manager, but I don't think is going to do that at Tottenham? Do you go with a more sort of unproven person like Pochettino was a little bit before he before he came to Spurs? Um, who who do you go with? And then you have to start looking at your players like Youngman's son has not been very good this year, but he's been very <laughs> good for a lot of years. So the question you have to answer if your Spurs is, is this is this the slow decline of Youngman's son happening or was this just a really uh-huh. shitty year for this team and and he's going to bounce back? Uh, I think Sam, similarly with Dejan Kulishevsky, who was like predicted to be a breakout star this year, mm-hmm. is and he looks like he's regressed from when he came over to Spurs. Is this his natural state, or is he going to bounce back? That's that's the hardest part for me when evaluating people. Is like, was the Conte and whatever other bullshit is going on right now at the club situation bad and led to this poor play, or is just this just how the players are now? That's a really tough thing, I think, from a scouting and and transfer perspective. What is Tottenham going to do? And then, you know, they brought in this dude from um, from Manchester City's Australian division, um, who's I think his name is Scott Mann, to not be a director of football, but be like in there and helping out stuff. A lot of people like that move. Sure. I don't know. Great. I I just I am at a loss. I feel like for a lot of years, Spurs and other teams, we've been able to somewhat identify like, oh, if you do this or these two or three things, you should be a lot better. If these two or three players bounce back, things should be better. I don't have a roadmap for how Spurs get better. And that to me is the most frustrating part about all this as a fan. I totally understand. Because I mean, I agree with you. If trust, if you or I knew how to turn Spurs around, we'd be doing a lot more than uh, doing a podcast on Wednesday nights while I'm laying in my bed, right? Yeah. Um, it 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 just seemed like um, Tottenham 
when, when they fired Pochettino, they got away from what made them special. Mm-hmm. And suddenly they got caught trying to go hire the big man, the big uh, brash manager. Mm-hmm. And especially the hirings. Let, let's just look back, not to get too deep into it, because, hey, we've got a postseason to do one day in, in August. We've got a postseason podcast. To report. Yeah. <laughs> um, the hiring initially of Josie Mourinho. And then, like, doubling down and hiring Conte because we know what those managers are. Those are those are finisher managers. They burn bright and they burn out. There is nothing long-term about those two guys. Mm-hmm. And I think Daniel Levy looked at it like, oh, God, you know, Pot, Pochett- and, and, you know Pochettino – it, it may have been time for him to move on. Mm-hmm. They might have done it a hair early, but at the same time, you can say, you know what? It was time for a new voice in that locker room. I I really think, though, that Levy may have gotten caught up in, oh, well, I need to go to get a name. Mm-hmm. And he went for the he went for the finisher in Mourinho, and that Spurs team was they weren't in a finish mode. They were more in a, we're evolving mode. Mm-hmm. And Mario don't do evolution. Nope. And then when they couldn't get their first, like, seven choices in, <laughs> they ended up with Nuno, which was, I mean, nothing against Nuno. We've seen him be a good manager at Wolves, and apparently in Portugal, but, I mean... What the hell were Spurs doing hiring Nuna? Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like they look and they're like, oh, we can't get whoever it is we want. We need somebody with Premier League experience. Why? Because, I don't know, somebody said it in a meeting. And they hired Nuna because, oh, well, you know, he had a good season with Wolves. He, he knows his way around the Premier League. That was not what they needed. That set them back. Um, Conte has set them back, and right now Spurs almost like a poor man's Chelsea, mm-hmm. where and, you know we've seen this with Chelsea in the past, where shit you just went through like a bunch of managers really quick, and now you've got a team that has been built parts of it by like each of the last three managers. Mm-hmm. And now you're gonna now you're gonna ask somebody to come in and work miracles for you. Um, Chelsea need or Chelsea Tottenham need a refreshing of the squad. There are young good young pieces in there to build that next evolution with, but Tottenham need to rebuild that squad. And that might even have to lead to the unthinkable of unthinkables, and that's selling Harry Kane to help fund it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I believe after this year he beca- he can be a free agent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, your Spurs are not in a position to go and win the league or to go and really win trophies right now. I think Spurs need to start a, a build. They need to find they need to find a the right manager, and b they need to um, 
they need to decide how they're going to how they're going to take that next step. Mm-hmm. Um, but but right now, right now, Tottenham are a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and a dash of this on top. And they think they got a stew, but if they ain't got no stew. No stew. They got no stew for you. They got yeah, they got something gross in the pot right now. And unfortunately it is permeating uh it's permeating Spurs right now. Yeah, it is. I, I think I think Tottenham's entire summer transfer window is going to be the second biggest story this summer outside of the Jude Bellingham saga. I, I think those two are at, at least to me gonna be the two biggest stories of of what happens. And I, I completely agree with you that Spurs like you, you you hate to say don't rush it, but they you're right. They do have to make a decision very quickly once the season ends and get someone in there immediately so that they can have some control over how the, the transfer window goes and they can bring in people that will help the next manager's vision. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um oh, boy. what a <laughs> Um, so as we look ahead, not to the summer, but just to like this next, next week in the Premier League, um, since we are recording this on Wednesday, uh, the Thursday matches haven't happened yet, which includes Everton versus Newcastle, Southampton versus Bournemouth and Spurs versus United. Hey, last time, and I'm not even going to make that joke. Anyway, uh, Saturday, (laughs) that's, that's how we ended up with content. Uh, Saturday, 7.30 a.m., Palace versus West Ham, two teams that are now relatively safe in the Premier League, so should be an interesting match. Hope to see them just go all out. Uh, at 10 a.m., you have Brentford versus Forest and Brighton versus Wolves on Sunday. That's the main match day. Uh, Bournemouth versus Leeds, Fulham City, United Villa, and Newcastle Southampton all at 9 a.m., followed by Liverpool versus Spurs at 11.30 a.m. Clearly the marquee match now of the weekend. Clearly. Um, the marquee match of the year for this podcast. True. <laughs> On Monday at 3 p.m., Leicester versus Everton, which is a genuinely big clash at the bottom of the table that could decide who stays up and who drops. Uh, on Tuesday, Arsenal have their next big test as they take on Chelsea at 3 p.m. Uh, Wednesday, Liverpool back at it at 3 p.m. against Fulham, and City takes on West Ham. Uh, and then next Thursday, Brighton and Manchester United play. So a lot of midweek matches come in these last few weeks uh, as teams look to make up the ones they weren't able to earn this season. Quick look at the table. Uh, Arsenal on top, still with two, po- two points over City, uh, but City have two matches in hand, so they are now very very much in control of their own destiny. City can win their six of their last seven and draw, and they will still be Premier League champions no matter what. So mm-hmm. big, big stuff to go through there. Uh, Newcastle right now still in third, join on points with the uh, United. Villa right now in fifth. Six is Liverpool, Spurs in seventh. Brighton and Brentford uh, a little bit behind in eighth and ninth to try and sneak into one of those last European spots. At the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone Leeds and Nottingham Forest right now just outside on 30 points. Leicester in the zone at 29. Everton at 28. Southampton at 24. It looks like Southampton is going to take the drop. Uh, that that seems more likely by the minute, but there's still that group of four. I think Bournemouth, Bournemouth might be clear now at 33. 
might they might be clear, but uh, Leeds, Forest, Leicester, Everton, all grouped uh, within two points of each other. Two of those teams may drop. Two of those teams will may survive. Um, yeah, we still have a big, big race here at the bottom um, for going to the last month of the season. That is pretty uh-huh. damn exciting. Um, oh, yeah. Quick update on the FA Cup. Uh, Manchester City did beat Sheffield United this weekend, 3-0. Uh, City are just in full Terminator mode and sweeping every single team aside, especially a championship side like Sheffield United. Uh, and Manchester United beat Brighton Hope on penalties, 7-6, uh, after a 0-0 draw through added extra time. So it will be a Manchester derby in the FA Cup final this June. Um, and then to round out our match talk, uh, because we didn't get to talk about this last week, uh, the Champions League semifinals are now set. Um, Real Madrid cruised to a 2-0 victory over <sighs> Chelsea, so they they went through, I, I believe, 5-0 on aggregate. Uh, Napoli was able to get a late, late goal against Milan, but it wasn't enough as they fall um, on aggregate to one. So AC Milan will be heading to the semifinal. Uh, Bayern Munich was able to get a goal against Man City, but they needed way, way, way more before then uh, as they fell 4-1 on aggregate. Uh, and Inter Benfica did play to a 3-3 draw, but Inter goes through on 5-3 aggregate. Uh, a couple of those Benfica goals going late on. Um, so it will be... Wes and all Milan semifinal on one side as AC Milan and Inter take over on uh, on May 10th. Uh, and the day before, Real Madrid and Manchester City will be facing off in the first leg of the other semifinal. Um, you know, I, I, I know we wished, you know, Napoli had gone through. Uh, Benfica would have been a cool story. Unfortunately, neither one of those happened. Um, but hey, th- these are the four teams we have. Still some cool storylines. Uh, again, a Milan derby uh, in the semifinals, as well as the the current title holders versus the the supposed champions in waiting in the city trying to break through. And of course, these two teams met up last year, and Real Madrid had that insane last minute comeback to uh, to push through to their their latest title. Um, so, what were your thoughts on the uh, the ending of the quarters as we head into the semis? And I think uh, everyone wanted to see uh, Napoli. Yeah. Get through. I think a lot of people, like you said, thought Benfica would be cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, City just laid waste mm-hmm. to freaking God. You talking about another club in turmoil, Bayern? Yeah, man. Just not to get off track, but dude, Thomas Tuchel's come in and they're terrible all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, don't worry. Uh, U- Uwe Hunas and um, those yeah. guys, they know better than everyone else. Sure. Um, and, and then, of course, Real Madrid finishing off a really, really poor Chelsea squad. Um, God, it almost seems like the only hope left is uh, we need Real to win. <laughs> and then I don't really give a shit what happens. I see somebody knock City out, and Real looks like probably the best team for that. But head on the other side, a Derby della Madonna, mm. also known as the uh, Derby di Milano. Um, AC Milan, Inter Milan meeting for the first time ever in the semifinals of the tournament. Uh, you can't be no closer to each other. They Those two share a stadium. Mm. So <laughs> I guess the first 
Yeah, I guess the first and second leg are going to be in the same place. They're going to be at the San Siro. So, um, yeah, I mean, does it really matter who the home or away crowd is? I guess that'll matter for the uh, for the ticketing. Mm-hmm. I guess because, quote, home fans will get their, their allotment True. of tickets yeah. for the matches. So uh, that's going to be really interesting to watch. You're basically going to watch the same thing twice. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, they're, they're not even, you yeah. know. The one thing you don't have to worry about, you don't have to worry about travel concerns. True. So you, don't, you don't have to pull an East Carolina baseball and miss your commanding point. Oh, no. Oh, my God. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I hate to say I'm kind of losing more and more interest in the Champions League as it goes along this year. But, uh, boy, I could really use uh, Ray Alva getting some of that good old European magic at the moment and go ahead and, go ahead and take care of this Manchester City problem. So we don't, we don't have to talk about this too much because obviously we're still you know at least a month away from, from it really being a possibility, and a lot can change in that time. But I do think it's a little interesting. We've, we've spent, I don't want to say we've shit on Manchester City a lot this year because we really haven't. We, we've Not raised, so much this year. Yeah, true. <laughs> we've raised a lot of questions. We've talked a lot about how they don't—they didn't look like they were quite clicking, even though they brought in one of the best players in the world in early Nalan. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we spent a lot of time talking about that. And as we record here on uh, on April twenty sixth at ten thirty five p.m. on the East Coast, uh, New uh, City—it's not that crazy to think that they could end up in a month and a half with a treble. Oh no! I think there. I think um, I believe if you go to the bookies in England, I mean, you're getting. I mean, you're not getting very good odds on that because everybody's like, "Yeah, it's probably going to happen." Um, I mean, I think they're they're a near overwhelming favorite to do that. Yeah, it's it is. I I just think it's so weird that we spent so much time thinking about what's wrong with City and. Yeah. And here they are. They're they're most likely going to win the league. They have one final to win the FA Cup, and I I think if they get through uh, Real Madrid, with yeah. all due respect to the Italian sides, and anything can happen in a one match final, but I, I just think that City would be overwhelming favorites in a final against either AC Milan or Inter. So we'll see. That is. That that is something really interesting. As we when as we're talking, as I'm taking my notes on what we're gonna talk about in our on our August season in review, um, this is this is something I think that will be brought up a little bit depending on how City finishes off. Um, speaking of the Champions League, this this is rearing its ugly head again. Um, I guess and he Alexander Seferin, UFA pres uh, UEFA president, uh, went on the Men and Blazers podcast this week and talked with Raj Bennett. That's great. You should go listen to it. Um, not because he said a lot of great things, but because, you know, good to hear about what these insane megalomaniac people are thinking. <laughs> um, this is once again being brought up. Uh, the idea of the Champions League final being played in America, uh, potentially uh, because in 2025 is how they, far they have it spread out now. <laughs> Next year, and I forgot, uh, next year, it will actually be in London. Uh, and then the year after that, it will be uh, at the Allianz in Germany. 
Um, and then he's like, you know, after that, you know, we'll see. It's possible. It's possible. This coming to us from an article from uh, Ali Rampling and Pablo Mora at the Athletic. Um, mm -hmm. There was a lot of consternation in the comments, and I get it. But I, I don't know if it's just I've been broken down now over the last, you know, almost 15 <laughs> years of following this sport. But at this point, I'm just like, it's it's a business. And and they want to make money. And there's a lot of money from people in the United States. They will sell that out so fucking fast if they do that. I It's a terrible idea for the sport. But I don't trust people anymore to make good decisions based on the sport itself. So I, I'm just like, yep, let's just go ahead and rip off this Band-Aid. It's going to happen. Let's, let's just go ahead and do this because... There, there. I don't see a way that this doesn't happen at this point. That sucks. That's right, because nothing says let's decide the European Cup more than <laughs> Chicago in June. Oh God. Oh, God, I absolutely despise it, but at the same time, it's more just a realization that what's going to happen is going to happen. Yeah. Um. And. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, oh man, it, it does suck, but it's it's just what it is at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at uh, something else Seferin said, uh, which shocked me actually is that our Euro 2020 finals um, was watched by more people in the United States than NBA finals. <sighs> okay, and that's cool. What they damn do? What they damn do? I just. I mean, if you're uh, going to do any match, I understand you doing the final because that's already supposed to be at a neutral site. So I, I, yeah, I get that. And you know, like you wouldn't want to see like a group stage match or even like a quarterfinals or something be in America because that just that would make completely no fucking sense. This at least you're like, okay, yeah, that that it's at a neutral site. I, I understand, but man, that's yeah. It's a it's like, a one off. Yeah, but like I just you know, I do think about like all those people, you know, as bad as it was, you know, all the Liverpool fans who made the trip to mm -hmm. to France uh, last year. I think it was last year. Time means yes. nothing to me anymore. Um, <laughs> it seems it just seems like a decade ago. Yes, it was like eleven months ago. So. Yeah, or you know when when Liverpool and Tottenham fans got to be in the same stadium, you know for for right uh, in Madrid. Yeah, yep. And that's that's not fucking happening if if it ha if it comes here. And the other thing is, I don't know like like how many actual fans are going to get to be there. Not that people in America can't mm -hmm. be actual fans, but what I mean is like how many of those are going to be like corporate people coming in and getting those kind of seats so um. oh yeah well it's just it, it's you know kind of like you just said about those people going man I've, I've read things in the past you know liverpool have been blessed to have the chance to play uh many european finals of god i think we're up to maybe nine that we played now i can't remember nine or ten what six and three that's all right i think so Six and three, or is it six and four after last year? Man, I can't remember. I'm kind of like you, you know, time's kind of throwing me off a little bit. Um, <laughs> either way, the whole purpose of it is, you know, 
half of I mean they they made an entire movie out of this um one night in Istanbul mm-hmm. half of the adventure is getting in the caravan and going to the match mm-hmm. um because of course in, in Europe you know you're connected by everything uh you, you get across the channel and buddy you're in Europe and you're just going and you're finding a way there and these incredible memories that people have made over years of doing this. Now it's like, so you have this whole European campaign and it's based on, you know, just for example, it's based on, you know, a crazy night in Anfield or a crazy night in, in Munich or, um, or, you know, Turin or, or the San Siro somewhere like that. Mm. And then, all right, guys, you've done it. You're in the final. And now you'll be heading to New Jersey to play at MetLife Stadium. Yeah. I'm sorry, what? I mean, to me, it is a, if this happens, it is a complete slap in the face to the entire competition. Mm-hmm. Um, those Those people who, oh, man, you know, oh, God, we did it. We did it now. You know, oh, now we've got to find a way to get to Madrid and we got to go to the match. You know, Liverpool and Tottenham fans. Oh, wow. You know, in two of the most amazing semifinals yep. this competition ever saw. Yep. You know, that night in Anfield and then uh, for Tottenham that night in Amsterdam. I mean, it's like, holy shit. We're there. We're there. Now we got to figure out how to get there. Oh man, ten of us are gonna pack into this camper and we're gonna drive and this is gonna be great. Can't do that if you're in freaking going to New Jersey to play at MetLife. Nope. I mean, what are you gonna do? No, you're talking thousands of pounds for fans to for fans who have who have gone on this entire journey and deserve to be at that final. They're not coming to America. They can't come to the United States for that. Yeah. Dude, and this is this is taking me off. This is not our sport. I'm not talking about soccer slash football itself. The Euro the European Cup is not our sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not sending the Super Bowl to Amsterdam. Actually, Roger, do not listen to this because my God, don't <laughs> let me give you an idea now. I mean, I, I mean, this would be like you know, the 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 Major League Baseball playoffs. Oh my God, October! This is where legends are made. Oh, this is amazing. Oh, the Yankees and the Dodgers. Oh my God, Yankee Stadium, Chavez Ravine. No, we're gonna send you guys to Bangkok because we're making some money off of it. The hell. No, don't ruin don't ruin one of the biggest freaking layups in sports. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing. This is a layup. There is nothing that needs to be fixed about this. You know what you need to fix? You need to fix the damn policing. Yeah. <laughs> you need to fix a lot of the infrastructure of it, but you do not need to send this to Miami or or Dallas or yeah. some bullshit cuz trust me if you sit in Dallas the weather's going to screw something up. Mm-hmm. Um it, if this goes down man it's going to be a sad day. That's all I can say. It it'll be a sad damn day. But it hell you and me might get to go to one one day. Yeah. But but man Doesn't that's 
does not make it better. Makes for a fun day out for us, but it doesn't make it better that we went to Washington, D.C. to watch the two best teams in the world play for the biggest prize in the game. Yeah. In front of a and once again, I'm like you, I'm not saying that Americans aren't fans because we are. Mm-hmm. But man, this ain't ours. Yeah. We we here in the United States, we get to drop in and enjoy and love what is Europe's. We, they're they're cool enough to let us drop in and watch it, man. And that's all we ever need to do is drop in and watch it. Don't don't take don't take the biggest match in the world and bring it over here just for money. Yeah. Please don't do it, UEFA. Um, I had a couple other stories, but I'm we're gonna they weren't really related to the Premier League, so I'm just gonna kind of skip over them. Uh, there was one uh, story about Don Paratici um, and his fucked up situation, which is something we never even talked about with Tottenham. Um, we also didn't mention about them doing a refund for um, the the match in Newcastle for traveling fans, which is bizarre. Um, That's you know it's really, bad. <laughs> those are on the athletic. Um, so instead, real quick, what I want to do is because we did mention um, Liverpool are six and four in the uh, the Champions League final now with the. Uh, Okay. The last okay. Against Real Madrid. What I wanted to ask you as our little quiz before we pimp the athletic, um, there are six teams that have won either the European Cup or the Champions League and have not lost a final. Do you know what six teams those are? Six teams have won and not lost a final. Obviously, Liverpool are not one of them. Um, Nottingham Forest are going to be one. That's correct. Uh, <laughs> go figure. Uh, Nottingham <laughs> Forest. Um, Aston Villa. That is correct. Look at that. The English clubs. English clubs. Um, okay, so four more. Four more. Four more. I'm going to try to do these quickly. Um, Inter Milan? No. No. They've, okay. they've lost two. They have. Okay. 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 They've lost two. I know they seem a lot more. Um, I, I, I knew the two English clubs because I know my random English history. And you got to tell me the rest. All right. Uh, the other, not enforced, went 2 0. Uh, Porto also went two and zero, winning eighty seven in two thousand four. Uh, you mm-hmm. did get Aston Villa, who went one and zero with their eighty a win in eighty two. Uh, Feyenoord won the nineteen seventy uh-huh. uh, European Cup, their only win. Uh, PSV Eindhoven won in eighty eight, uh, and that's their only uh, trip to a final. And then Red Star uh, in ninety one. Uh, Belgrade. Yep. Yep. That was their only. Yep. That was their only one. And, that, uh, and and obviously you look around that most all of those happened in a pretty short time period. Mm-hmm. There was um, I don't want to say a lot of upheaval, but a lot of the uh, the the blue bloods <laughs> to, to borrow mm-hmm. a phrase from college sports. A lot of the blue bloods of the sport. Um, a lot of them were in a lot of I guess 
turnover and turmoil in that time. Mm-hmm. Your uh, AC Milan's, your Real Madrid's, your Bayern's, your Liverpool's. Um, they were going through a lot of changes during those times. So uh, it, it kind of opened the door for some 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 really great squads to go in and win the European Cup. Yeah, um, like just going through the list here, uh, mm-hmm. Hamburger SV out of Germany, which makes me hungry again. Uh, they <laughs> went to two European finals in the 80s. Uh, and Stau right. Bucharesti also did that in the 80s. They they went to two European finals as well, which is mind-boggling to think and, about today. And then and then you take those teams, you look at their rosters, and then you start looking at those teams in the earlier part of the 90s and the mid-90s who are winning. Mm-hmm. And, man, you start seeing a lot of the same names. <laughs> because suddenly AC Milan got their shit together and Milan started getting guys. And... Um, yeah, the Italian the Italian clubs kind of figured it out, and they were like, "Man, we're going to get these really good players out of Europe, and uh, we're going to start winning this competition again." So, uh, yeah, that's a that's a great question. That's a great trivia question. I'm just I'm glad I was able to keep my head on and get two of them. You got you got the important ones. We'll say. <laughs> well, of it's, course, they're it's English. Every non English European fan is like punching the air right now. Like, assholes, assholes. All right, uh, let's do the uh, the whole pimping the athletic thing. Uh, Wes, what have you been reading in this past week that's been that's been good on the athletic? Let me let me get me stories up. Stories in there. Jesus Christ, I was literally about to say Dion is all over this thing because, whoo, Dion, um, yeah, ooh, Dion. Uh, two, two Dion stories we'll go with. Uh, Max Olson on Monday, Colorado's transfer portal exodus. The numbers behind Dion Sanders' extreme roster purge. Mm-hmm. Um, folks, Dion said, he said at his first, at his first meeting with the team, I'm bringing my own luggage and it's Louie. <laughs> <laughs> um, Colorado had 83 scholarship players at the start of the 2022 season. Of those 83, as of Monday night, only 20 were still on the roster. My God. Uh, New rules went in place over the last few years to help coaches turn rosters over quicker with the new transfer portal. I don't think these are going, these rules are going to last forever. So guys are kind of taking advantage while they can. But Dion came in. I mean, he's one thing I'll say for Dion, he's not doing anything he didn't say he wasn't gonna do. True. He said he was gonna turn that roster over. I don't think anyone thought it would be this drastically quick. But that gives the follow-up. David Ubbin, who uh, by the way, apparently is now on Dion duty for like the entire year. <laughs> um inside Dion Sanders unprecedented roster flip. Uh, Dion's quote, we have plans to go another way. Uh, this was a good one. I read just a few hours ago. Uh, he has interviews with five players who have entered the transfer portal from Colorado. Uh, so an NCAA rule went into effect last year where coaches can effectively now cut players. They can cut uh, scholarship players. Now, here's the caveat to it. If you decide to cut a player, if the player decides to stay at the school, you do have to honor his scholarship. Mm -hmm. So there is some protection for these guys who, you know, if they decide, you know what, 
Um, I am a I am two semesters from graduation at Colorado. Um, I am comfortable right now ending my football career. I want to stay here and finish my my school. Um, they will still pay your scholarship. So it's not quite as bad as people like, oh, well, he can just kick them out and they're gone and they're screwed. And they, you know, uh, educationally, they are taken care of. And it is confirmed in this story that um, that was conveyed to the players. Hey, you do have this option if this is what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll tell you what. Dion, the way he's going. Way this is going, I think he's got about he's going to have about two seasons to show some results. Yeah, because you know he he is not going to be he's not going to be able to do what coaches in the past have done, and you know oh you know I inherited these players and I've got to play what was left for me. Uh, uh-uh. he has been very vocal and very public about the fact that he was going to flip over this roster, and and he's doing it. He's doing it. My question is, you know, now he's brought in some really high-level guys. Obviously, Travis Hunter, um, his son Shador Sanders, is going to be the starting quarterback. They've brought in some good players, Jimmy Horn Jr. He basically has he he's lost fifty-one scholarship players at this point. Is there is there really enough quality in the transfer portal? Yeah. That's going to make up now. Now, I mean, I'm not saying that he's lost a bunch of really good players. You know, apparently looking at the roster breakdown, most of the guys transferring out either didn't play hardly at all this past year, or when they did play, it's not like they made a ton of a difference. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's having to replace a bunch of all Americans here, but you know, most guys, not all guys, most guys in the transfer portal right now are there because they couldn't win a starting job at wherever they were. Mm-hmm. And it is always a risk to bring in players um, just because it's like, well, are they, you know, are, are, do they just need a new change of, do they just need a change of scenery or, or are they like legitimately just not really that good? <laughs> Um, and with the way the transfer portal works uh, after the spring practice, the spring session of it, it is so fast. I mean, it's like they get like maybe a week and a half to put their names out there. And then, you know, how fast are you trying to fill this roster? Um, it, it, this, this is going to be, it is going to be absolutely fascinating watching Deion Sanders. I know I'm sure a bunch of people out there are sick of hearing the name Deion Sanders, but you know what? You're going to hear it a lot over the next year at least because this is a fascinating case study over can you really do this mm-hmm. and can you do it this way? Can you basically build an entire team just through the transfer portal? Mm-hmm. People were losing their mind. Lincoln Riley took like 10 transfers a year ago and people were losing their mind about it. <laughs> They have got 51 out the door. Insanity. Insanity. Um, I got my popcorn ready. uh, I'll be keeping my eye on prime time. (laughs) 
Um, there's some really good stories this week on the uh, on the athletic. Uh, one I'm just going to mention. Um, uh, Jared Kalinich uh, was basically a number one prospect in baseball a couple years ago. Failed to live up to the initial hype uh, with Seattle. Um, changed a lot of things in his offseason. Is off to a red-hot start. So maybe for that kid, it's coming together. Good luck for him if it is. But the other one that really jumped out to me this week, Manny Navarro dropped a story. Prep Sports Powerhouse IMG Academy to be sold for $1.2 billion. Yeah, I saw that. What does it mean long-term? And you're sitting there like, what the hell? Well, when you really dig into this place, when you talk about the facilities, the location, and what you're actually buying, the money makes a little more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, IMG has turned into one of the biggest scholastic entities in the country. Um, it's not just football. I mean, there are kids come from all over the country to play multiple sports there, uh, to really be able to concentrate on their sport while also getting a really good education. Um, and, and on the, it's, it's obviously most known for the football and that's, uh, that's where most eyes are going to be is how does this affect the football program and, and how they're putting out players. Uh, it is something I'm going to keep an eye on because, I, you know, I love the recruiting. I'm into that stuff. I really enjoy it. And uh, this is this is going to have a really big um, it's going to have a really big uh, deal on on recruiting going forward, just because of the uh, the, the wealth of talent that that program has uh, has attracted over the over the past decade plus. Endeavor Endeavor's got to pay for WWE somehow. Um, oh, 100%. 1.2 for IMG is a uh, is a pretty good start. Got to um, pay Vince McMahon. <laughs> um, two two stories I had for this week. Um, one by Oliver K. Uh, stagnation, fifth season syndrome, and staying afloat in the Premier League. Uh, taking a look at uh, some of the teams like Crystal Palace, who have been there for a while. And just like how hard it actually is for some of these, you know, mid to lower end teams to stay in the Premier League for a prolonged period of time uh, and not just be sort of the one and dones like we've seen uh, in the past from people like Norwich or uh, Fulham in the past and stuff like that. So very good read from him. Uh, and then our boy uh, Evan Drellich uh, talking about the future of MLB TV blackouts is an all 30 team streaming service possible. Um, as as we continue to get slightly, and I do mean slightly, more clarity on the whole Bally Sports RSN no payment drama bullshit going on, um, Drellich does go into um, could MLB do this, and if so, how soon could it be? And the answer, unfortunately, is like not anytime very very soon. Maybe in a couple years down the line, it could happen. Um, but yeah, the short answer, unfortunately, is at least not this year or most likely even the next couple. So, but if you want to go, Evan Drellich does his usual amazing job of taking a deep dive into this. Um, hey, maybe again, if uh, if Manfred can pull this off, at least he'll have one feather in his cap, and that would be that would be something. Um, all right, so that brings us to the watch four. Wes, what have you been watching in the week that was or the week that will be? And I have two words for you. Okay. 
Cocaine bear. Uh huh. How was that? It it the Academy Awards were established many many years ago. <laughs> And Ed, I think when they were established, it was knowing that this movie would one day be made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And after the after it wins every Academy Award for every category out there this year, uh, we're just going to cancel the awards in the future because there's only one cocaine bear. <laughs> there's Absolutely. only one cocaine bear. Well. There might be a couple cocaine cubs in there, but you know you'll have to watch the movie for yourself. Are, um, no, wait, wait, wait! And I'm never gonna watch this, so I don't care. You can spoil it. Is there a fucking sequel tease in this? No, 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 no. Okay. But um, there are okay. a couple of cubs. There are okay. there are the baby bears who give them some some yayo. Okay. <laughs> God, I wish there was a fucking sequel. What a, a spectacular movie this was. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. And it is bloody. It is gory. There are body parts flying all over the place. Freaking Carrie Russell's in it. And I love Carrie Russell. I've loved her since I was a high schooler myself. And the final movie of the legendary Ray Liotta. And he knocks it out of the park. Um... Ice T's boy, uh, Ice T, Ice Cube's boys in it. Uh, Little O'Shea, uh, he's in it. God, it is, it is great. It is fun. It is insanity. It, it's magnificent. If uh, if you just need a batshit crazy ass movie, you don't mind the blood and the gore. Go watch Cocaine Bear, and, and agree with me how it needs to win every Academy Award. <laughs> Maybe ever. I mean, we can totally just like defunct everything that's ha- debunk everything that's happened in the past. We'll give it. Uh, we'll give it um, the pianist. We'll give them that award uh, from when it won it. Still, Magnolias. I think won something. Give them that award. Uh, just go back in time and give all the awards. Uh, Gone with the wind. No, no. <laughs> give your trophy to Cocaine Bear because it's the greatest movie ever made it's right up there with uh you know i may have made this claim before with the likes of crawl mm-hmm. <laughs> um and uh and uh and full metal jacket so yeah yes oh man sweet sweet cocaine bear uh so i have also two words for my watch for <laughs> and, and they are um actually <laughs> So, did you ever watch anything? This was in like the nascent period of the internet, um, like the I'm gonna say like the early 2000s, maybe even late 2000s. Did you ever watch anything from College Humor? Yes, yes, okay. of course. Okay, so they have. Of course, they started doing a thing. Uh, I think it's called Dropout, uh, where they they transition into more like sort of also like long form content and more like original sketches and like some other stuff and they do like a couple of like pseudo sort of game shows and one name producer jackie and i just found this like i want to say about a week and a half ago um it's a sort of game show called um actually and the way it works is the host will read a sentence or a series of sentences about something to do with pop culture whether it's like 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe or DC Comics or Super Mario or, you know, Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones or whatever. And in that sentence, something will be wrong. And it is the object of the players to say what is wrong and why it's wrong. And they have to start every answer, kind of like Jeopardy is you have to answer the form of a question. On this show, you have to answer by starting your response with, um, actually, because this show is all about being that guy. It's all about being that gigantic, pretentious asshole who knows every little thing about their favorite comments. Like, actually, Wolverine is from Canada. He's not from North uh, the United States. Um, and just like, uh, but like, it gets to be some really nitpicky shit. Like, um, I think one of the questions was like, you know, in the uh, the movie and book written by Philip K. Dick, Blade Runner. It's like, actually, uh book wasn't called blade runner it was called do android stream of electric sheep so it's it's really funny and it's a lot of people from the, the a lot of the contestants are from college humor um as well as some like other branches of like internet comedy um like uh thomas middleditch who was on silicon valley and a couple other things he was in one of the episodes as a contestant so it's really funny it's it's really nerdy, obviously, which is, you know, it's it's a thing here. Um, and then there's like some cool stuff, you know, and it makes you feel kind of good. Like they had a question like here's six uh, versions of time travel represented. And it's just like what year they go forward or back to. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Bill and Ted or oh, yeah, that's Groundhog Day. And I'm like, oh, my God, I, I'm a huge fucking nerd. This is great. I'm so glad all this useless knowledge is finally coming coming in use yes. I'm, I'm so happy so it's really it's really good it's all on youtube so it's all you know free you know whatever um and there's apparently like eight seasons so we've been going through them like like fucking cocaine i guess it's our cocaine is is this show is there a, is there a bear there <laughs> well oh. i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna speculate on people's sexual preferences but oh my. uh <laughs> bye you can you can watch and be the judge of that yourself if there's any bears or cubs in there um mm, mm. anyway um no it's a really good show if you like if you like college humor and if you want to be kind of a nerd for a little bit it is it is really funny as well so uh yeah you know they, they get to drop the f word because it's on youtube so that's always fun as well lucky yeah, just like on this podcast, which is uh, now done. We're done with this episode. 460 is in the books. Um, we'll be back next week. We'll be talking more about, you know, what other random bullshit happens over the next week in the Premier League. Um, we'll see if by next week, City is actually just actually in first place at that point. Who knows? Still a lot to be decided. Um, as always, thank you so much for everybody for tuning in. Um, you can also check us out on social media as a collective on Twitter. We are at AFA Pod. Wes, you are. I'm at West Bradshaw 21. If you also want to know about NCHSAA realignment, go check out his Twitter. Um, I am at Edward Green. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We are our parent show, the all new sports show, and email us at allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Thanks to our podcast providers, including podcasts by Spotify, Stitcher, Speaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. So again, that will do it for this week. But before we get out of here, Wes, anything else you want to add? Uh, 
College baseball is a cruel mistress, Ed Green. A week ago, East Carolina was ranked seventh in the country. We were hosting national top eight seed. And this week, the seeding predictions come out, and we're number two in the Durham region. Oh, no. Is that a week? Because, uh, no, Duke. Oh, fuck. Talk about Duke hosting, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that's what, uh, that's what going 0-4 will do for you. <laughs> Getting swept in Wichita and then losing to NC State. So, uh, Pirates have to get their best together, but, you know, that's the thing also about college baseball is as bad as it was this weekend, my God, if you go out and take care of your business, things can change. Mm-hmm. Things can change. So, uh, Honestly, whew, I was see what happens. because yeah. for once, you know, East Carolina wouldn't have to go to Charlottesville for their regional. I was, I was really looking forward to that. Because I don't, oh, I'll tell you, that would, God, that would be brutal. <laughs> Just those two, that'd be brutal. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see what East Carolina can do going forward. But um, as of right now, they, they did not do themselves many favors over the weekend. Um. But but that's it. I think I think there were four top ten teams. Uh, there were four like top fifteen teams that got swept over the weekend. So oh jeez. So I mean that's that's ball, baby. That's the SEC, baby. Ooh, yeah, actually. That there's the Southeastern Conference. So um, go baseball. Back in back at this weekend against uh, Tulane. So. Go Pirates. Mm, yeah, just looking. I, I think it's hilarious, actually, that if and I'm on D1's baseball uh, 64 projection right now. I think it's funny that, like, the top eight is basically like the SEC because you have LSU, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, <sighs> yeah. Arkansas, and Florida, like, all hosting a regional. And oh, then yeah. the other half is, like, Duke, West Virginia, Oregon, Dallas Baptist, Indiana, Connecticut, Boston College, and Stanford. So it's like yep. it, it's like the SEC and like Virginia and, and Coastal on one side, and then every other region in the world on the other side. Might as well be. Might as well yeah. be. It, it, yeah, actually. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm excited. Yeah. This this college basketball baseball season has been fascinating. So um, and we're, we're not we're one, we're about a month away from conference tournaments, so wrapping wrapping up quickly. So that here we go. Here we go. That is going to do it for episode four sixty four. My Colin Cry and West Bradshaw. I am Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Foreign Affair Podcast. And until next time, please stay safe and enjoy the football. Good night, Everton. Still sitting down there in that relegation zone, just staring the championship in the face. God, oh, happen, it's actually God, bl- God bless you, Nottingham Forest, for getting that dub today. 